1: But I know that this next session is going to be a great blessing. Hallelujah. Why am I saying that? Because our next speaker is not a stranger to us. I have known her for many years and uh, she lives what she preaches and uh, she's a beautiful example of everything that she preaches she's full of the word and uh, full of the spirit when she speaks to you the word cuts through like a hot knife through butter it just enters and suits your heart so i believe that today first of all you are going to be blessed yourself yeah and then you will receive a blessing for the other people that you also minister to, especially if you're a marriage counselor. But many of us have heard her on radio every Saturday morning. She's on air, honey on my lips. Hey, how many of you have been listening? Wow. And you find that the word indeed is sweeter than honey and is always a blessing. She is the wife of the presiding bishop of the united Denominations originating from the lighthouse group of churches ladies and gentlemen i want us to stand to our feet and receive the ministry of lady reverend adelaide Heward mills
2: hallelujah thank you for your reception shall we pray Father, we've come to no other person than you. We pray for your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide to lead us, to equip us and to help us. Bless us with your word, so that we will also be a blessing to others and to nations. Thank you for your unction and your help, sweet Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. amen. 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 Please take your seats. I'm sure Bishop Fabing has already um, welcomed you, but I want to welcome you again to our first ever Model Marriage Conference, and um, I want to encourage you that I believe that it's time well spent in the presence of God we go for driving lessons so that we can have driving tests. And um, even driving, they say that you should be a certain age because you need to have certain faculties to be able to drive. And in marriage too, in every law, you have to be a certain age because they assume that by a certain age you are more mature to handle the precious, and responsibilities and blessings of marriage. So I think that it is in order to have a school and some training for marriage. I believe personally that the institution of marriage is under great attack from the enemy. And Christians are also buying into it and even saying that marriage is not a blessing it is actually a curse, a burden, a problem, but I always tell people that the people who say that as soon as they lose a spouse, they begin to look for another because they begin to see that it is important. So marriage is not our idea or my idea or your idea. It's God's idea.
0: Right.
2: And one of the things the Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3, I believe, it says that in the last days yeah. so many things will happen. One of the things is uh, 2 second Timothy three verse one. Yes. Some people will forbid to marry. Forbid to marry. And forbidden to marry it's not always like you make a law and then you just forbid to marry, but it's the things that are preached, the things that are said, forbid to marry. Amen. And I'm praying that... No, I don't think it's that one. Maybe it's Peter, rather. I'll look for it. But forbidding to marry. And Second Peter 3, verse 1, right? Yeah. Okay. Second Peter 3, verse 1. Are you there? You've misled us. Forbidden Anyway, so the Bible says, I'm looking for it. The Bible says that people will forbid to marry, and then they will even forbid certain. First, uh, first Timothy. Forgive. First Timothy 4, verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath received. And when you look at Dake's Bible, it says that the forbidding to marry is not just forbidding but hindering. To forbid means to prohibit, hinder, oppose or operate against. Seducing spirits influence people to hinder and operate against wedlock by enticing them to meet the demands of the sex drive apart from the sanctity of marriage. To heed, as in giving heed to seducing spirits, 1 Timothy 4.1, means to pay attention to and act under the leadership and control of Hence, those who satisfy their sex needs through perversions, any of the ways contrary to what is approved by Scripture, are under the control, more or less, of demons. This also applies to religions that discourage or forbid marriage to anyone among laymen or clergy. But Hebrews 13 4 says, The marriage is honorable to all, and the marriage bed undefiled. Amen. Amen. So we have to look at marriage from God's perspective and from God's angle. Not what is happening in the world and what is happening around us. And not even from the trotter you drive behind that says that fear woman, shrobesia, marriage is bad. Marriage is jail and all that. Don't mind your wife. Don't mind your wife, even chobas. So even in the slogans, you can tell that We don't hold marriage as honorable, the way God does. But I believe at at this conference, God will bring our minds and our hearts back. And we won't preach our own sermons. Because nowadays, there are lots of sermons that are own sermons. And are not necessarily of God. Well, my duty this morning, and then also I am sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But in training, you, the counselor, should also endeavor to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So you are not a counselor because you are perfect, but you are a counselor because God has chosen you to help others and also to show his faithfulness to you and to others. Doctors are not doctors because they don't get headaches and they don't get malaria. They are all men of like passions and they all have the same challenges we have but their knowledge helps them to help you. And so as a marriage counselor, your knowledge and your work with God will help you to also help others. Some of us may not be, what do you call it, formal marriage counselors, but you have a lot of people you influence in your sphere. And before now, you've been given very bad advice, African proverbs and things, but from this training, you're going to use God's word as your yardstick, and not African Proverbs. Amen. It may be true, but there's a scriptural rendering of it that says, cares to see who puts his trust in man, whether woman or man, every creation of God. Amen. So that should be our point of reference and not what our grandmother said. The Bible calls it old wives' fables. And genealogies. You so say we should for, forget about all that and concentrate on the word. Because the two men who built their houses, they went through the same experiences. So in marriage, you go through the same experiences. The only difference is the foundation on which you build. A marriage counseling provides a foundation So that when the storms come, the winds blow vehemently, it blew against all the two houses, both houses. The rain came on both houses. The only reason why one stood was the foundation. So your foundation is very important. And so is your foundation in marriage. A lot of people are coming to marriage not having seen good examples. Lots of people are coming into marriage not even having seen an example before. Sometimes you grow up in a single parent home. You've never seen a father in action before. You've never seen a father being served before. And you are married. It's not that everything should be by experience. But I believe that the word of God is the best teacher. And it gives you the right foundation. So that when the rains of marriage are beating you. And the winds are beating vehemently. And the flood is coming up. It will stand, not because you are a kosher Tarzan, but because the foundation is built on the Word of God. Amen. So I pray that you open your heart and we'll all become like children and learn. Amen. So this uh, morning stroke afternoon, I want to start with the spousal duties. Spousal duties in marriage. I always wonder... And I'm amazed at how God is ahead of time, you know? When I used to read the Bible, many years ago, I would see God has written in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, thou shalt not lie with an animal, as a man lies with a woman. And when I read, I would say, "Ah, God, too, he can be extremo. Man lie! hey, these Israelites, is that what their lives were like? But as I sat on a flight, and I read in Daily Mail, that they are getting Angela Merkel to change the laws of Germany so that they can marry animals because they are already sleeping with some. I saw that, hey, God was there before me. So when he wrote this, he knew how we are. And he knew where we'll be headed to. So as I was reading in my naivety and simple mindedness I thought, oh, but why do they write such laws? not knowing that everything God has written is relevant. So in the Bible also, God has a job description for both spouses. The man has a job description. The woman has a job description. And many times we are not doing what God said we should do. Then we say, Christian marriages are very disappointing. Christian marriages are... But we don't do the Bible. We do our own thing. But if we started to go back to the one who really made marriage, who knows? You see, God knows your somewhereness. And he knows that your main problem will be this area. And he gives you verses to counteract that area. So we'll start, of course, because the man is the head of the house. So we'll start with duties of the husband. And I'm preaching from chapter 11 of the model marriage book. I once asked some people in a church, what material do you have? What do you preach in your church when you are doing marriage counseling? They said, Adam and Eve. And the lady in charge who had been interviewing her people, she was not doing the counseling, but every time they were passing, she asked, asking, this week, what did you learn? Adam and Eve. She said, for six weeks, they kept saying Adam and Eve. And when she asked them what, they couldn't even specify. So please... The time of churches being childlike and childish rather, childlike is positive, childish is negative. The times of being childish, where we teach people with no curriculum and all that must end. And Africans don't like to invest in books, knowledge. They said that if you want to hide something from a black man, hide it in a book. Because we would rather buy lace than buy a book would rather buy the latest phone than buy a book, but from this conference, be somebody who seeks knowledge because God's knowledge will change your life, change our churches, and change other people's lives as well. Amen. So duties of the husband, not written by at Lady Wood Mills, but written by the manufacturer of marriage. Amen. The word husband comes from the Anglo-Saxon word, which means house band. This implies a strip of metal or rope used to bind the house together. A husband, therefore, binds together the home in terms of its control, organization, and management. Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians chapter five, are you there? It talks about the various duties, and it actually starts with the duties of the wife. But before it does that, Ephesians 5 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another. One to another. When you feel like it. Is that what the Bible says? Submitting yourselves one to another when you feel like it. When it's convenient. When your spouse has behaved right. In the fear of God. And that's what's lost in marriages. There's no fear of God. We don't think, what is God's word saying about this area? What is God's word saying? It's like how I feel. And sometimes Christian husbands can be so wicked. You wonder that, not that they should even be special to their wives. But just normal. Not even a lady came to me for counselling. She's she was about sixty then. She said, not even romantic, passionate love, or Auntie mommy, but common love that you will show to a stranger. Yeah. Because she had been very ill, and the man just leaves her in her room, goes to work, comes whatever. Nothing. Whether she would die, whether she would live. But even your Christian instincts, okay, the fear of God. That one is not there. So the Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Because if we don't fear God, we will not submit to one another. So yes, the wife's duty which we will come to is to submit, but before then, he says, submitting one, As for God, I love him more. He's the most balanced person I've ever come across. And he's very wise. But we like to take parts of the scripture and leave parts. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The reason why things are not working, we don't fear God. We don't fear his church. We don't fear his word. We don't care. But we pray that that will change. We need to go back to the fear of God. Amen. And in the book, it starts with the duties of the husband. So I will do likewise before I come to the duties of the wife. Amen. So the duty of the husband, 25. First of all, the husband is the head. Amen? I didn't say it. Sometimes people want to change it because they say, Auntie, mommy, my husband, yeah, he doesn't have sense, so, so he cannot be the, the head. But when you look at Ephesians 5:23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Amen. It's not my idea. It's God's idea. He says the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of, I mean, it means that it's a very serious thing because God is saying the husband is the head just like Jesus Christ is the head of his church. So it's a very serious thing if God makes you a head, husbands. As much as it's a privilege, it's also a lot of work because it's the head that determines where the body walks. And if the head doesn't work well, like Bishop Darge says, the body will work anyway. When your head is not functioning well, you see that your body works, your body doesn't even know it has not bathed, your body doesn't know it's naked, your body misbehaves. So husbands, if the head is not functioning well, the whole body will be in disarray. So you have to take your duties very seriously. So, Lady Reverend, but why are you addressing us? We are counselors. I don't care. It starts with you. Yes. Yes. Preach it. It starts with you. Then you teach others. The husband is the head of the church. Ask Christ. Christ is the head of the church. The body of Christ. And he tells us what to do, where to go. He leads us by the Holy Spirit. He supplies our needs. He does it even before we think about it. He says that he does more than we can even think or imagine. So if Christ is the head, and the husband is also the head, then me, I feel that the husband's duties are more, honestly. I find the wife's duties easier. But the husband to be the head. So your first duty is that God has called you to be the head. And whatever happens in the home, When God comes, like in the Garden of Eden, you are Adam, he will call you first. Adam, what is this that thou hast done? And then I know you will say, the wife thou givest me, the woman thou givest me. But I'm also happy with that verse because it doesn't just say that Christ is the head of the church. And the Savior. Bishop Doug says whenever there's a colon, it means that is to say, So for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, what does it mean to be the head of the church? And he is the savior. 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 How many husbands are saviors?
1: Yeah. It's a it's
2: a <laughs> Amen, brothers. Amen. He's the savior of the body. Yeah. Yeah. He's not only the head, he's also the savior. And we also have to teach people that because your husband is the head, ladies have to choose their head wisely. As much as lies within your power. Because as you go on in marriage also, people change. There are many changes. When you marry, he says he doesn't eat yam. Later, he eats yam. Before the brothers marry, they eat anything. When they marry, they become fussy. Before they marry, they sleep hungry. When they marry, if the food is late, why? Mm -hmm. So things change. But as much as you can see, and as much as God is leading you by the Holy Spirit, you have to choose your head because he is the head. And whatever he does will affect you. Because the head controls everything. The brain is in the head. Oh. The head controls everything. So if you are choosing, God shows you a lot of signs. You are seen. But you say, it doesn't matter. Then when the head is manifesting, don't say, hey, Reverend, I've made a mistake. You, you saw the mistake. So in our counseling, let's also counsel the young ladies that because the kind of man you choose is also your head. Be careful. Thou anointest my head with oil, and then my cup runs over. The head first, and then the cup runs over. So you have to be very careful. Amen? (laughs) What does it mean to be the head of family? You see, some people say they They don't bring anything. And nowadays, when you have funeral, they say they they don't give you a penny. Everything you do yourself. We are not talking about Abu in the Ghanaian context. We are talking about head of family from God. From God's perspective. Amen. So the head connotes authority, authority in bringing up children, leadership in providing direction and guidance. Responsibility, which means decision making. So the husband must not shake that his responsibility so that he can blame someone else when things backfire. As the head of the house and of his home, the man must rule his home spiritually, financially, and socially, and in every other way. God, I told you first, asked Adam, because the man is held responsible first for everything that goes wrong, including an unhappy wife. This is what is written. Amen, brothers? So from verse 23, we can see that the head is God, followed by Christ, who is subject to God, and then man, who is subject to Christ, and then the woman. So the man, if the man is subject to Christ, the woman needn't be afraid of the type of head because he's subject to Christ. He is not like the world system or he's not supposed to be like the world system. Where a tyrant rules over you. I always say that God is so, he's the best husband anybody could wish could have to have. Because even though he's the head, he says, "Come, let us reason together." But some people say, "I'm the head. I can't reason with you." What sense will you have? What, 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 uh, what perspective will you bring? But God says, "Come." You didn't say you are even bringing yourself. He is calling you. Come, let us reason together. And then He adds. Though your sins be as scarlet, that's why he shouldn't even call me because I have so many faults, he shouldn't involve me in what he's doing. But he says, Though your sins be red as crimson, they shall be white as snow. Amen. So he's not calling us to reason because we are at power, he's not calling us to reason because he, God, doesn't know what to do. But I think it's his way of Loving and showing respect is that he says come let us reason together and even I was reading Abraham Said will you destroy 50? God said if I get 50. So what about 40? What about 20? What about 30 and the Bible says and Abraham stood yet before the Lord." and I was saying "Hey, If Abraham were a wife, would they not say she's argumentative? You said okay will you spare 50 50 so you said 50 now you've come back 40 now you come back You say 30 But that's his nature. He' is the head. He is the head, but he, he, he operates the head in a scriptural way. Amen? We'll come to duties of the wife, so don't worry. Amen. So God is the head, and we have to practice how. He exercises the headships, you know, he even says that, plead your case, plead your case. Me plead my case, how? Moses said, you say you want to destroy the whole of Israel, well, if you destroy them, everybody will know that you don't keep your word, and everybody will say that you brought these people to the wilderness to kill them, and the Bible says, and the Lord repented. Almighty God, repented. Almighty God, how come you, you are I mean, Nothing can change your mind. Nobody should say anything because you are the head. God amazes me. The way he is just amazes me. And if we should follow him, we'll have the same results. Amen. Headship does not mean... The person should be rude to you. Oh, headship does not mean weakness, because God is not weak. But headship means firmness, but also divine love is part of it, which is also another topic in this book. Amen. Wow. First Corinthians eleven, verse three. But I'll have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. That's where we get the hierarchy from. Not from our minds. Okay? The second, so the first duty is to exercise the headship in a godly and God-fearing manner. Okay? The second duty is to love. Ephesians 5 again, 25. Husbands your secretary that's what my husband says when he's doing the vows husband love your secretary husband love your work colleague husbands love your shepherd husbands love your wife but I thought you married her that's you loved her. that's why you married her you see God he's way ahead of us oh. He knows that in marriage, it's not always that you would like to love your wife. Or it's not always that she's lovable. You see, sometimes her manifestations, she's not lovable. Yes. Once I was counseling a couple and then the husband said something and I asked her, what your husband is saying, is it true? Lady I think he was dreaming, eh? He was dreaming. I say. Is that how you talk to your husband? I was surprised because in the church, I hear her say, Yes, Bishop. No, Bishop. Okay, Bishop. So I was surprised. In your dreams. So, such a wife, you may think, is not easy to love. But God says, Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. And it is divine love, not the type you saw on Nigerian movie. Not the type you saw on the Western movie, but the God kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13 type of love. And it's a command. It is not a suggestion. Amen? Husbands, love your... I love the Bible. And he will always give you how us, Christ, loved the church. How did Christ love the church? even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that's why marriage is very serious business it is and very hard work anybody who tells you that the marriage is just a walk in the park is lying to you in his dreams <laughs> marriage is hard work husbands love your wife as Christ even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it so what does it mean it means that in loving your wife you must give yourself to her for her for her hmm?
1: yes for her.
2: that's why we need marriage schools yes. so that before you say i do ajindamanza menyahu hmm And gave himself for her why that he might sanctify and cleanse it that's the body that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word beloved it's only dirty things that are washed clean things are not washed so that tells you that there's no perfect woman on earth they are good women. They are godly women. But as my husband says, everybody has a left leg. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Some left legs are more left than right. But yeah. everybody has. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Hey, sanctify and cleanse it. How? With the washing of the water. By the word. Hmm. It's not an easy thing. That he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Whatever you do to your wife, you are doing it to yourself. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Next verse, that he might present it to himself. The presentation, a woman is like a computer, what you put in, what you get out. So it's so that you will present it to, your, Christ cleanses us, whatever, that he may present us to himself. Because the Bible says he's coming for his bride. Without spot, without wrinkle, or any. he wants us to be as beautiful as possible. So it means that for your wife to be as beautiful as possible, you will have to cleanse her with the washing of the water by the way. All this is encapsulated in husband's love, your wife. That's why I say that your duties are more. And it says that without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So if your wife has pimples after marriage, we'll put it at your doorstep. Because it's supposed to be without spot, without wrinkle, without any blemish. And even, as we say in law, you create an umbrella or any such thing. on any such thing. What you put in your wife, you present to yourself. And because we are all selfish and self-centered, if we know that it's to our benefit, it may give us better incentives to do what we have to do. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. So if you want to see somebody who hates himself, look at how he is with his wife. Because he that loveth himself, it's trying to say that it's for your own benefit. It's for your own good. In fact, I I didn't know, you know, I know that it's important to have a wife and all that, but this week, one of my relatives fell ill and he doesn't have a wife. So he's calling me, calling my sister, we are going, we are taking tents, we are making soup, we are making breakfast. Then we all stopped and said, ah. But if he had a wife, all these problems. Then I called my mother. My mother said, oh. I don't care whether men go to space or they go to but If you don't have it, we can see. And she said it was God's idea. Oh, it's not good for him to be alone. As he has been discharged now, we've taken him to my sister's house. It's not good, though. He has everything. Well-endowed, money, everything. But So you are actually presenting to yourself. To yourself. A glorious church. Not a scanty church. Not something, but something for your benefit. Husbands. The husbands are not shouting amen. amen. Yeah. Now he might present it to himself. He says, for no man ever. He, said, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it even as the Lord, the church. Do you know what these verses tell me? It means God's standards for men is very high. And frightening. It says, no man yet hateth his own body, but nourishes. You see, you nourish a soil because at a point the nutrients come out of it you nourish your body because at a point all your energy and everything and food vitamins and all that nourish you so you are supposed to nourish your wife mm. i'm so glad i didn't write any of these verses i'm not as smart but no man hateth his own flesh but nourishes do you nourish her spiritually or she has become the high priest of the house okay. Okay. All prayer topics are here in my house. My father was the spiritual high priest. Every morning, he has his cloth that he's wearing. Then he stands in the middle. There's a room there. He stands in the middle and he starts to sing. The Lord is in His holy temple. It means Morning Devotion has begun. <laughs>
1: then
2: we all start to come. Let all the earth keep silent before him. And we all sit. He will pray with us, share the Bible. And my father's prayer to it has incasechu in it. Incasechu in the sense that when he wants to tell you something, he may tell you in prayer. So my sister and I are going to Legon and we are having the last morning devotion before we leave. And he says, he's praying, he say hey, Radzi. My children are like flowers. The boys, the boys, the boys. They want to touch them. Jesus, cover them. As they go to Legon, it was what a new day? And what the hell? <laughs> but he was taking his place as the high priest of the house. And then he also said that in this house we go to church. Yes. In this house we go to church. So Whether you have come from where, you have come from where, as for church, no compromise. Yeah. So even though my big brothers, sometimes they'll wait, they'll be late, then they'll go to the church just before offering, how they walk to bring. Then they'll see my father, my father will be nodding and said, yes, you came. <laughs> 31st night they'll be coming from the nightclub and when they hear the method is they ring a bell when the bell goes and they are there so when they say we praise thee oh lord they're coming with offering then they'll come and he'll be nodding that yes but at least he ensured that he was a high priest and when he died and they were writing their tribute they said that when we get lost in the course of life the coordinates of your compass was the word of God. And the church bringing us back to where we have to be. By you, you have abdicated every priestly role. Beloved, the headship is also spiritual. Yes, you can delegate, but don't delegate all the time and everything. Amen. Loveth and nourisheth and cherisheth. To cherish is to hold dear. To cherish is to treat as important. To cherish is to hold in high esteem. These are all duties of a husband. It says, Christ nourisheth and cherisheth even as the Lord, the church. So he's saying that if you want to know what a husband should do, look at Christ and how he handles the church. So we are supposed to nourish. Sometimes you nourish with knowledge. Sometimes you nourish your relationship with gifts. Sometimes you nourish with appreciation. Sometimes you nourish with money. But you, every day they ask for pocket money is World War II. I think that the reason why men do that is sometimes they really don't have. And instead of sitting down and saying, I don't have, it will hurt their ego. So it will become a big quarrel. I gave you last week. How come? Hey. Hmm nourishes and cherishes, amen. So the husband has to give his best to her sacrificially, present her back to himself, nourish and cherish her with the word and with physical things. The man is presenting the woman back to himself. It is for his own good to let her feel loved, wanted, and accepted, amen. Don't say, women are always shifting the goalpost. Don't say, I don't know what to do again. If Jesus were to say that to you, you and I would not be here. But rather, look for more ways and sometimes counseling. You see, in the church, we like to feel or behave as if everything is perfect. Every marriage will have challenges, but when you need help and you need, uh, what, oxygen, and you need to be put on a lifesaver. You must go for it. And the marriage counseling department in every church must be there to help couples along the difficult path. And also create a place of trust. Not that when I come and share, tomorrow morning is in Daily Guide. No. It should not be. Or CNN. Or Atinkai FM. No. Okay. The third duty, so the second duty is to love, which... <laughs> already now you are becoming discouraged (laughs) number three make her feel happy at home proverbs chapter 5 verse 8 let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth now when you read Ecclesiastes 9 9 it says live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity for that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun amen now it says live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days Live joyfully. It means that that joy depends on you, the man. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest. I thought that if you love him, joy would, her love will be natural. But because it's also divine, love is not always a feeling. And love is not always what you feel like doing. But you do it because God's word says so. And then God blesses you for your obedience. Amen. She so said, live joyfully with the wife of thy youth whom thou lovest all the days of thy vanity for that is thy portion every man must know that he has a portion you don't have the whole plate what you have is what is on your plate some of us when we go to restaurants we order then we look at it we say ah but this man's portion portion is bigger or is nicer the table across is nicer (laughs) sometimes we ask oh what are they eating we want the same but once it's come onto your plate it's your portion so you need to look, look at your wife as your portion. What Amen? The Bible says, for this is your portion in this life. In heaven, there's no marriage, people say. But there's a marriage because Jesus says the marriage of the lamb he's going to marry us. I thought he could have left us as his children, but he decided to marry us. So marriage is held in high esteem by God. Amen? But he says that this is your portion. What is in your plate, whether it's domedo, whether it's your that is your portion. So stop looking across the window, brothers, and saying, No, if I had married this sister, if I had married. One day I went somewhere with a lady, and the man serving us was so gracious, so nice, so humble, so self, how do you say it? Selfless. And then the lady said, Oh, Papa nirenya Pa. He's very kind of I said, Wouldn't that's another? I asked the lady, Wouldn't that? She said, Oh, but I can see how he's this, he is that. Anyway, it came to pass that this man and his wife came for marriage counseling. And the lady said, every time we have an argument, he just goes, when he goes, he returns after four days. So we're all in a team, and this lady who had said, Pape, pa.
0: <laughs> four days.
2: So I asked him, and then I said, you go for four days, why? Uh, lady Reverend, because, you know, I'm angry. So when I'm angry like that, I mean, I just want peace. So I need four days to cool down. I see. You see, when you are not married to him, you won't see that aspect. You don't know that when he gets angry four days, he goes. Because he's being kind to, he's giving you this, oh, have this, do that. All that is true, but it's not the whole picture.
1: picture.
2: But that is your portion. And you have to make it work. Amen? I am not saying it is good. We'll come to key of acceptance. But I'm saying that everybody has a portion. And the portion that falls on your plate, if you are not like that, you will always think that the grass is greener on the other side. And you will always lead a dissatisfied life. And you will always virtually be unfaithful because you feel that this cannot be your portion. Do you see I have seen people change so much. I have seen a wife who was on missions with her husband, terrible problem. She said, "Mishwat, Missions, mish I am not going to be on any missions. So in the end, the husband aborted the mission and was coming back. When they tell her, listen to this message, I will not listen, read this, I will not read, I'll do this. I'll... The husband would go into the woods And intercede for her. She said to me that one day she was in her room, and then Jesus just walked in and said, Look, you are misbehaving and all that, but it's because you are afraid. And then he started to pray for her, receive grace, receive grace. The grace just filled the room. She has turned like night and day for many years now. And when you go to her church, she's the main person supporting her husband, doing this. The husband says, auntie mommy, I'm so blessed. Hey. Now, when she sees me, she's talking, she just cries. She just cries, Mommy. It was mixed with depression and other things. So, yes, things happen in marriage, but often it's a season. So hold your portion well and nourish and cherish it. And ask God for grace. Grace to handle the portion. Because the y- Yokagari portion is different from the Waiche portion. Although they all evolve beans. Amen. All portions. <laughs> God didn't call you to be happy, God called you to be faithful. And in the midst of it, He will cause you to live joyfully. Amen. Let her feel accepted and special. Because if you cherish somebody, you you make her feel special. Stay at home, stay at home to spend time with her as often as is possible, and provide companionship. I want a problem, Noah. Sometimes I think God put two very incongruous things together, because most men are not verbal. That's how God made them, I believe. They don't talk a lot. When they go somewhere, you come, you ask them, how was it? Good. Who was there? Everybody. (laughs) How did it end? Well. And then you, the wife, if you are not experienced, "Eh, he doesn't talk. He just, then even when you start to ask questions, you know, sometimes I ask my husband, how did it go? Good. I say, oh, good. Okay. So who came? I don't know. Everybody was there. I don't know. Did the mother come? The father? Did you see the cousins? I didn't see. I said they came. (laughs) (laughs) Then, when I first married, he goes for a wedding. I'm not able to go. When he comes, I'll say, what was the bride's dress like? The bride's dress. I didn't see it. (laughs) The bride's dress. But now, he tells me, I notice every dress. What has happened? He has learned how to be a companion to his wife you know so at the beginning he does not notice the dresses but now he can tell me oh the dress was nice he seemed to have something behind it and it still headlines but it's better than." <laughs> it's better than the beginning so husbands and even wives we are not supposed to live for ourselves we come to marriage thinking that yeah but actually you are coming to give I remember years ago I was young and I went to a, in a Methodist church and the priest said that marriage is a fancy word. And I was very surprised. He said that romano, na on in your marriage romano, na romano, na on in your marriage. So you give. Marriage is giving. It's not about you. But as you obey, you will see that you are building a healthy home. Amen, men. Colossians 3 19. Husbands, love your wives. I don't know. God keeps happy on this. Love, 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 love. Hmm. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Are we ready? Do not be harsh with them. New Living Translation. Amen, brothers? Harsh answer. Harsh treatment. You see, a woman is different from you. She is not, she may look strong, but emotionally and all, she's not like you. She's not as strong as you. So you may think that, oh, I just shouted and we we can just flow, but as you are shouting, a fragile vessel is being broken over and over. You see, you, you, it's true that you shout out of frustration, and, but if you are conscious, that you don't have to be harsh. Were, these things were written more than 2,000 years ago. It means that God really knows us Do not be harsh with them. That's also the husband. So that is part of making her feel at home, Okay. <laughs> listen to her a lot. That's a big job for a husband. Listen to her. Even my husband, he says he's, he's learned to listen, but sometimes when I talk, I can see that he's doing his own thing. He's changing his channel. Then you say, Oh, yeah, 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 mommy, what did you say? I said, I won't say it again. It's okay. <laughs> so I was listening. I thought you said that this, that, and that, and I just lost you somewhere along the line. You see, so listen to her a lot and encourage her to talk. Some of us, we don't need encouragement, so it doesn't apply to, <laughs> to everybody because if you encourage us, it will not be good. <laughs> My husband says he doesn't need a radio in his house. He has one, a living one. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Number four, respect and honor her. First Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, the vessel, the vessel, the container is weaker, and as being, not the contents, but the vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, could it be your prosperity, your breakthrough, your health challenges uh, because of the way you treat your wife? Because your prayers can be hindered. You want your ministry to grow. It's not growing. Then you say, indirectly, because you are treating her not well. I didn't say it. Dwell with them. It didn't say experience with them. Dwell means living for a long time. Dwell with them according to knowledge, because when you know, it changes you. Amen, brothers? Hey, Reverend, Why do you say that? When I got to know what my husband's temperament was, it helped me to know that in certain things he's not out to get me, but that's how God has made him. Amen? We'll come to temperaments, but for instance, if you have a choleric husband, usually He puts things direct and straight. He doesn't have imagery and putting things to make you happy or nice. He tells you as it is. But if you have knowledge that the person's temperament is this, it helps you not to feel that the person is out to get me. In the same way, if you have knowledge about your wife as the weaker vessel, you will dwell with her according to knowledge that I'm with a delicate thing. I am with a delicate thing. Her mouth is not delicate, but (laughs) the (laughs) vessel. The vessel is delicate. (laughs) It means that however she's treated affects her. So you have to try. Amen? Amen? And it's for your own good, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So sometimes our prayers are being hindered and we don't even know. Let her feel important with you, especially in public. Talk about her positively. When you praise somebody, the person gets better. When you accuse and criticize all the time, the person gets worse. It's just like that with human nature. It's like the men, if you're a wife, every day you are pointing out your husband's mistakes. He doesn't become better. But when you praise him, he rises to the occasion. Number five. Protect and care for her. 1 Peter 3, 7. The Bible says, Give honor. Protect her from the strain of housework. Sometimes say, oh, I bought this watch. let's eat it. Instead of every day she's in the kitchen. Every day she's in the kitchen sweating. Sometimes take her out. Going out does not entail a lot of money. Amen? For many years, when my husband was taking me out, we we'll buy one portion of spring rolls, and then we will share. And even in our adult years, we go to places. We just buy kebab, then we park somewhere and we just eat the kebab with coke, and we are happy. You know, so it's not always very expensive, whatever. But spending time with her and concentrating on her more than on your phone and on your television. Because what you invest in, you get, you see. So please, as you are scheduling your meetings, your time to meet this person, to meet boys' boys, schedule also your wife <coughs> on your schedule, amen. She's the protector from the attacks of relatives and friends as the weaker vessel. Some of you, you have painted your wife so black to your relatives that she cannot do well. And then, she's more susceptible to attacks, being the weaker vessel, especially psychological and emotional. I read a book, it says women have more problems with depression than men, because I think also of this weaker vessel syndrome. Help her to organize her life, her timetable, planning, help her, okay? And then work hard to provide for the needs of the family. First Timothy five verse eight. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. He's not worse than an. He's not an, an unbeliever. He is worse than an infidel if he does not provide for his home. Amen. So the husband is also supposed to be a provider. A provider doesn't mean you should steal to provide, but within what you have, you provide. Not that the children's fees are unpaid, everything is outstanding, and you, you are building your family house in uh, uh, Kou. You know? We have to look at all that. And when we say that protect and care for her, how do you celebrate your wife? If you nourish and cherish her, have you ever given her a gift? Have you ever given her money? Oh, honey, it's Christmas. This time it's not about buying things for the house. It's about buying things for yourself. Go and be happy. But every time you say you are buying a gift for her, the first gift was a frying pan for you and the children. <laughs> the second gift was a blender for you and the children. The third gift was a bed sheet for you and the children. It's time to give her something that relates to her. Amen, men. So we need to be a bit more discerning. And you need to buy gifts for your wife. Not that you should go and buy something you cannot afford, but buy something that is meaningful even within your means. And I believe that it will change the atmosphere in your home. Finally, provide for her sexually understand that the wife also has sexual needs. Amen? But you, hey, the voices are coming back. But as you provide for her sexually, you need to know her sexual needs. I am sure Bishop Fabian will come to that. But it is said that women are pressing machines, pressing irons. And men are light switches. As soon as you put it on, play, they come on. <laughs> a woman is an iron. It takes a while for her to heat up. And you are always coming as if it's mission impossible. <laughs> you just want to be happy and leave. You don't want to involve her. You don't want to see what makes her happy. You don't want... It's God who created her that way. It's not she who has made herself that way. The whole day you have not minded her. In the night when you stretch your hand and she says, who is it? You say, "Atiya." But is it her fault? It's a true story in this church. Somebody touched his wife and the wife said, who is that? He said, Atia. Another one said, arm dropper. But you don't do that. You don't mind her. You don't tell her any plans that you are doing, especially if you are choleric. Your mind moves faster than your whatever. So, a lot of things she doesn't know. A lady came to see me. She said that my husband, he provides. It's okay. But I live in a magical world. The furniture is magic. The. The carpet is magic. Everything I don't know about it. I don't, I, I'm not asked whether I like this color, Whether everything is just done. Then the husband says, She doesn't appreciate me. But you have left her out of everything. So know how to operate the pressing iron. If you operate the pressing iron like a light switch, it often will not work because it's made that way by God. <clears throat> we'll come to duties of the wife, don't worry. So take your time. Take her out. Talk to her. Talk to her softly. Give her the wraps you used to give her before you married her. <laughs> before you married her, you said that she was the only mosquito in your mosquito net. <laughs> Today you don't even mention her name. You say, Why, why? Why, why from Quinebra? Why, why from why Nebra? Why? I know a lady like that. Since she married, her husband has never mentioned her name. The wine. And when she tells, she say, "Hey, who she share American movie?" Who person, my friend, was saying? Somebody said to the beloved, "Call me, baby. You say, 'How you are calling?' True life counselings I've done. True life. Lady, we i romancing. I say, 'How you are calling?' I say, my friend, baby. Now I'm saying, "Any romantic or it's real shot." Amen. So God has <laughs> looked at all the facets of our lives and He has provided us with wisdom to know what to do. So these are the duties of a husband. If only we will listen to Him, I think that we will have great success. Amen. In 2 Timothy 1.9, the Bible says about God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to what? His own purpose and grace. So husbands, whatever purpose God has for you, he will give you the attendant grace to be able to do it. Amen duties of the wife. Shirley, oh. <laughs> my glasses is broke. Anyway, Eve was created to be Adam's helmet. Therefore, whatever the woman does, her motive must be to help, project, motivate, uplift, and promote her husband. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. Because the Bible outlines the duties of the wife there. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. At this juncture, I like to read from Amplified because it makes the sisters see their duties properly. (laughs) Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. Amen, ladies? Wives, be subject. Be submissive and adapt yourselves. Not somebody should force you to adapt. But you yourself adapt. It doesn't say wives. Husbands should Force you to submit. Say no. Wives, submit yourselves. And Amplify says, be submissive and adapt yourself. Lady Reverend, what does it mean to adapt yourself? Adapt yourself to his temperament. Adapt yourself to the kind of work he does. Adapt yourself to God's calling on his life. Adapt yourself to his preferences. Adapt yourself to his decisions. Adapt yourself to his plans. Look, marriage is not for children. You have your PhD and you have brought yourself to adapt to a degree less man. Because marriage is not about who you are and what you have. It's about God's order in the home. Says wives, be subject to That means be submissive and adapt yourselves. Some of you, you are forced to adapt. You are forced to by talking, kicking off a husband, abuse, accusations, that's what causes you to submit. But God didn't intend it that way. He intended you to willfully and willingly adapt yourself. Some of us... Our husbands work late. It is not that it is so exciting, but you need to develop adaptation strategies. For instance, my husband, over the years, we come late home, and sometimes I take the lead when the children started coming, and then he would come late. So, I may be in bed then, but in order to adapt myself, I had to get up and sit by him and give him food to eat. It came to pass after some years, after 40, that I was not hearing when he came because I don't hear because I don't know whether after 40, the sleep was deep but short anyway. Then he started to say, oh, you hear? I said, me, I hear, I don't hear. I sleep very deep, so how was I going to adapt? So I told the security man, when Bishop comes, call me from the gate so that I'll know that he's here. And then I can wake up before he enters the room. It is not always easy or conducive, but at least the person can see that you are trying. Do you see? So that is adapting because sometimes when you don't adapt, then you people will never meet. There will never be a time to talk, never a time to fellowship because you are not able to adapt yourself. Sometimes adapting yourself means when your husband says, we have an outing in the office, they say we should come with our spouses. Don't say that. Adapt yourself. Some of you are not sociable at all. I have some in this church. The husband will say... Let's go to Elmina Beach. Let's spend the weekend. She will never go. Take her out. Let's buy clothes. She will never go. Live, I know her live and in color. I'm always facing her. They even want um, a couple something to go to Coconut Grove. The husband said, this ticket that I've won, what is the use? She will never go. Adapt yourself. And the husband is this yo-yo, partying type, you know. So you adapt yourself to come along a bit. Amen, ladies? Amen. So submission means adapting yourself to the man that God has given you. Continue, please. Okay. Let me go back to my own Bible. <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, himself the Savior as the church is subject to Christ. Hmm. One verse I forgot, it said that, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Beloved, if that phrase were not there, it would be impossible. Because sometimes, you know, you just don't feel that you should submit. But when you look at the Lord, as unto the, do it as if you are doing it unto the Lord. Because if you look, you say, no, Lady Reverend, he doesn't treat me well, he doesn't do things right, why should I submit to you? No, Lady Reverend, I'm funny, baby, I'm funny, baby. No. But if you look at the Lord, say, God, you are the rewarder. God, you are the one who asked me, I'm doing this because you said it. If he had said it, in fact, no quenness say. And can bear battle in the house. But because it's us unto you, it's a sacrificial thing. You do it when you feel like submitting and when you don't feel like. Amen. The wives. Amen. It also says that we should submit unto our own husbands. Because we are good at submitting to other people's husbands. Men, ladies. But our own, baby. I always say when your boss, you go to work. Your boss says, can I have a cup of tea? You say, boss, which flavor? Green tea, Earl Grey, Jasmine, Five Roses, Rooibos, which one? (laughs) Then you come home, your husband says, can I have a cup of tea? We are good at adapting to our bosses. And the rudeness with which we talk to our husband. We'll never talk to our bosses that way. Yes. Never. never. Because the boss. Yes, of course, marriage is a different relationship, It's not employer-employee, but I think God knew a lot of things. That's why he put, to your own husbands. Some of you, you are very submissive to your pastors. It's good, it's scriptural, but to your own husband is a problem. And sometimes husbands resent pastors and bosses because of that. Yeah. Because they can see. Your submission is tops when it comes to those people. When it comes to your own husband. Deliver us, Lord. Amen. For the husband is ahead head of the wife as Christ is the head of church himself, the savior husband. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their husbands in everything. Hmm. Amen? So let wives be subject to their husbands in everything. What does Amplified say? (laughs) Twenty-four, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also... okay, in everything. Now, when it talks about wives to be submissive to their own husbands, some women do not love the men they marry. I think it's true. Some women fall out of love in either way with the men they marry. The reasons for this may include the following. She married him because of material benefits she wanted to acquire. Or you married him because you were growing old. Or you got yourself pregnant by accident and it drove you to marry. If this is the case, we can ask God for forgiveness and pray for grace for what his word teaches us to do. It will be difficult to perform marital acts without love so we need to also walk in love titus 2 4 says the older women should teach the younger women apart from other things to love their husbands <laughs> amen <laughs> so loving your husband is something that has to be taught you and it is your duty the bible says that the older women should teach the younger to love their husbands Because although you married him because you loved him, the love has waned. Even your love for God grows cold. I've got revelations. So I have this against you. So you have left your first love. So even your walk with God, it happens. How much more your walk with a human being? Who doesn't treat you like God does? The Bible is saying that younger women should should be taught to love their husbands. So love... Is also one of the things that a a wife is supposed to do as her duty. So you submit to your own husbands. 1 Peter 3, 1-3 Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband. So loving your husband is one thing, one duty. And submitting to him is also another duty. So 1 Peter 3, 1-3 wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Amen. Peter is saying that Wives should be submissive to their husbands, even the unbelieving ones. Amen. And that's why the Bible says, when you are marrying, marry a man who is a believer. But if for some reason you have ended up with an unbelieving husband, the Bible is saying there's a way to live. Amplified says, in like manner you married women, be submissive to your own husbands. Subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them and adapt yourselves to them. Hmm. Can you make yourself secondary to anybody? (laughs) Marriage is one of the major secondary schools. You make yourself secondary. because we are so used to putting ourselves first. But marriage tries that aspect of you, the selfish aspect of you. So you will become secondary to his decisions. You see, sometimes people marry. The woman says, I want to live in America. The man says, we are living in Ghana. Whose word prevails? You have to be secondary to. I have educated friends. Who were lawyers, bright people? Their husbands were other professions, maybe medicine, engineering, whatever. Took them to America. When they got there, you have degrees. I have degrees. You have first degree. I have first degree. You have postgraduate. I have postgraduate. So now, who stays at home? Hmm. Hmm. That decision will often come from the two of you talking, but often. It's the man's decision. Sometimes, I've had couples where the man says, you are a medical doctor. Being a medical doctor in America, no matter how many years I work, your work will be more whatever. So I will do this other kind of job, but you do, but it is still his decision. Amen? And sometimes, when you've both arrived, you both have masters. Everybody wants further education. Who should go first. You are going to be secondary to, and it's his decision. It's your discussion, both of you, but the decision. Because everything with two heads is a freak. Every ship has one head. Even aeroplanes have one head. Even nations have one head. So if your house has two heads, it won't work. Amen? Amen. And this one is saying even if you marry an unbeliever, adapt to. And make yourself a secondary to. Make yourself a secondary to. It's not easy. My husband will say, it doesn't depend on your smartness. Sometimes even in school, you did better than him. You did better, but this is where we are. Amen? Okay. He says that so that if the unbeliever husband does not obey the word he will be born over with your word. But I don't think this verse is only for unbeliever husbands. I feel that in marriage, there comes a time when what your spouse should do, he doesn't do. And in that case, he's not obeying the word. Yeah. So the Bible is telling you what to do when there are those pockets also in your own life. He says that they will be worn without words. How many of you know that women are very verbal? We think that when we talk more, it will be understood better, but it's an illusion. Amen? So, when we are discussing something, we discuss, we say, this, this, this is a problem. And when the person is not reacting, we say, oh, he doesn't understand. Let me now go and bring a dictionary for more words. So, you bring a dictionary, more words, it's not working. That's okay, let me get a thesaurus. For more words, you get a sorry antonym, synonym, it's still not work. It's okay. Now I'll use diagrams. I'll get a graph. You get a graph, it's still not working because it's not talking. Talking sometimes makes them more stubborn. Yeah. The brothers, am I right? Yeah. But God in his wisdom says there will be one without words. But with behavior, yeah. it's not easy. But he's showing you the way of escape in that temptation. Amen, ladies. The ladies are too quiet. Huh? Okay. So duties to love your husband, submit to your husband. Keep the home. Titus 2. five That they may teach the young women, blah, 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 to be keepers at home. Keepers at home. Beloved, we have come across a generation... That is not thinking about the home at all. You're right. I have come across so many young ladies that I have had to personally tutor and send to be tutored to know how to make even basic gravy. (laughs) It's a problem. But the Bible says younger women should be taught to be keepers at home. It is not because you are inferior. It's just difference in roles. Amen? You may be educated. You may have more degrees than the thermometer. But it is your duty to be a keeper at home. Amen? A keeper at home doesn't mean you don't have help. Because the Bible says about the virtuous woman, she wakes up early to give bread to her maidens. So she has help. But... The real controller and accountant general in the home is you. Amen? So it is your duty. So if we come to the home, it's smelling of wee wee because you we have little children. I went to a home and said, Oh, lady, Reverend, don't sit there. And you are there. I couldn't believe it. So don't sit there. Don't say, fan to somebody in Katasu. All the sofas, they are wee wee, you know. Hey, keep her at home. <laughs> hey! Everything is dirty. Everything is disarray. When your husband comes from work, he can't relax. He's not going to work. You say you've gone for all night. Yes, Christians of today. You've gone for all night. You are going for things. But to be a keeper at home is a problem. A problem. The Bible says that he who does not take care of his home is worse than an infidel. And if you didn't grow up that way, you can learn it. Nowadays, even everything is on the internet. I went to Denmark. The pastor was telling me that when he told his daughter, make jollof, uh, go and learn from mommy. He said, daddy, don't worry. It's on the internet. No, I don't need to go to mommy's kitchen to learn, it's on the internet. And she went to make the internet jollof love, too. And it worked, too. <laughs> Amen. So please, we need to keep the home. We'll come to the Total Wife in closing. I'm closing soon. But you need to keep the home. Sometimes there's supplies in the home. We all get to know that there's no toilet roll at crucial times. If it happens once in a while, fine. But every day, every day we don't have milk. Just a tin of milk, not that you should even have plenty. But planning. And keeping the home well. It is a job, but it is our responsibility. And we should be able to do it. Amen. The home entails children, house help, including husband. You are keeping all of them at home. And when you create the right atmosphere, make it a home that he's always happy to come to. Where he feels that there's peace, there's hot meals, there's a receptive wife. Keep us at home. Amen? (laughs) Provide, so we have love your husband, submit to your husband, keep the home. Provide sexually for your husband. Every wife has a God given duty to satisfy the sexual needs of her husband. Usually, the need to have sex is greater for a man than for a woman. Usually, but these days, no, no. And, uh, and many wives find their husband's persistent advances for sex a bother. A wife should not understand that if she does not take care of her husband's sexual needs, she may push him to seek fulfillment as elsewhere. And this will lead to a lot of heartache and pain. It is therefore in her own interest to satisfy him sexually at home. Amen. Now, I believe that the reason why many of us have bad behavior towards sex is because we feel that our bodies are our own. But the Bible says that your body belongs to your husband. (laughs) And your husband's body also belongs to you. First Corinthians seven. First hmm. Corinthians seven. Reading from verse two. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. And likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife does not have power of her own body. It's your own body, but you don't have power over it. The whole has come alive. But the husband, and likewise also, the husband does not have power over his own body but the wife. Number five. Uh, Verse 5, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, everybody say for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency, amen. Amen. Amplified says, Do not refuse and deprive and defraud each other of your due marital rights, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to unhindered to prayer, but afterwards resume marital relations. Another verse, they come together quickly. Why? Let Satan tempt you to sin through your lack of restraint of sexual desire. Defrauding is a crime under act 29 of our criminal code. So when you defraud your husband, you are a criminal. And what happens to criminals? They are sent to jail. Their body is not yours. He says, it's your own body, but you don't have power. But you think you have power. That's why in the night you throw the hand away because you think you have power. You don't know. You don't have power over your own body. And if something is for somebody, like this bag is for the church, when they ask for it, you just give it to them because it's not yours. In the same way, when you know that your body is not yours. And when it is asked for, ladies, you will give it. My Lord, it is yours. Have it. Amen, ladies. And what does the Bible say? It says, come together quickly for a time, lest, in case, Satan tempts you. Christians have allowed a lot of unnecessary temptations in our marriages. Because you, you live in London and your husband lives here, or you you live in London, your husband lives in London and you live here. You are wiser than God. And when so many things are coming in for many years, you say, Oh, Lady Reverend, it's financial. But the Bible said, Come together quickly. Let Satan tempt. Some people come say, Lady Reverend, I'm believing God to have a child. I said, really, where's your husband? Oh, he's in Las Palmas. Where is that? Oh, in Spain. And you are here, yes. When was the last time he came here? Oh, like two years, Lady Reverend. I said, you are believing God for a baby. Are you Virgin Mary or what are you? So we create problems for ourselves. It's not only money that is important. Your marriage is also important. Amen. So provide for him sexually. And just like in your cooking, you bring different types of menu in the bedroom too. Be adventurous, artistic, and with new ideas. Amen. Provide nice food for your husband is part of being a keeper at home. Provide nice supportive company and friendship. Chat with him when he's quiet. Encourage him when he's downhearted. And I would say, learn things that he wants to talk about. You see, some people, all your conversation is about other people gossip. And maybe your husband is spiritual, he's not interested in that. All your discussion, you never have any spiritual topic. The man who is a serious Christian, he loves God, he's doing God's work, and all your conversation, you have nothing to talk about God's work. It is a problem. So learn to buy into his type of conversation so that there will be fellowship at home. Amen? So we've had six things. I hope you have them. Love your husband, submit to your husband, keep the home, provide sexually, provide nice food, provide nice supportive company. Be a virtuous woman. That's all listed in Proverbs 31. Her husband has confidence in her, verse 11. She's helpful and encourages him, verse 12. She's hard working, verse 13 and 14. She rises early to pray and work it depends on when you slept. <laughs> She's a good planner, considers before buying. She's not lazy, does not leave all work for the household. She helps out financially when possible. She learns a craft or trade, brings something of value to your marriage. She's kind, verse 20. She does not drive away visitors, but is hospitable. Yeah. Verse 20, verse 22. She dresses well. To look attractive to her husband. The Bible says that her clothing is scarlet and purple. Amen? But you, every time you are at home, you are wearing ragamuffin torn things. Not that you don't have them. The baby has vomited here. Your hair is like Bob Marley. Mm. Some of you when you are pregnant, yeah, you start to spit now, you change your gait, you walk somewhere. Uh, why? If you looked attractive to get him, look attractive to stay with him. Amen. So you have to take cognizance of your dressing and work on it. Dressing is not money. Dressing is dress well, look decent and look attractive. It's not money. Amen. As Bishop says, when the wives arrive in the house, they take off their wig. They can't recognize them. Yes. Like a- but you can do something nice under. So that when you remove the cap, you still look good. Amen. You can wear some bandana, some cap, some yo-yo scarf. It's like, hey, we are also on top. So don't say that, me, 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 who you me? I'm doing a bank cry. I don't know where to turn. Lady Reverend, you will know where to turn. In the cooking, too, you can look nice. You can, nice. You can wear a nice apron with your short jeans shorts because you are the only one with your husband. Come seat, and it's going to work. Amen. It is better to dwell in the corner of a house, top than with a brawling woman in a large house. She's a virtuous woman, so the Bible says she, in her law is a law of kindness, and she opens her mouth with wisdom. She does not argue constantly or disagree vehemently. Amen. I have found, ladies, on either side that the best way is to try. It's an art. It doesn't just happen you try and listen to the person and find all the good points in what he's saying, then if later you have something that you think won't work, you come and say it later, it works better. But if in the same forum, as soon as the person speaks, you shoot down what the person is saying, it doesn't work. It is not something you become immediately. It will be your life lesson your whole life, but at least it's worth attempting. Amen. So nagging makes it better to dwell in the corner of the roof than with you. So nagging is not a way forward, amen. Amen. A virtuous woman is not idle or a busybody. Verse 28, her children and her husband are proud of her. And verse 30, a woman who fears the Lord. I believe that she's able to do all this because she fears the Lord. And with that, we bring the curtain down on the duties of the spouses. God bless you, Bishop Fabian. I'm I hope I've said that all the duties are just by grace, that whatever purpose God has called you to, He gives you the attendant grace for he says in Hebrews 4 16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help. We need grace. I need grace more than ever. So let's learn to also pray about things in our marriages and in our relationships and ask God for wisdom and help and he will grant it. Receive grace to be the spouse you have to be in Jesus name, amen.
1: Wow." Oh, Is that all you can do?
0: It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward-Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward-Mills. For prayer and counselling, please call 0243- 187900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips@gmail.com. At we would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.